to the Rude Horror Podcast, episode 75. I'm your host, Marcus Rude, and today I have an awesome episode for you. I had a chance to talk to television and film actor Reed Diamond, and he's on the show to talk about the horror genre and also uh, the work that he's done on TV and films. So uh, this is so much fun. Uh, before we get into the episode, I want to mention uh he plays in the new tv show on peacock it's called the girl in the woods you should check it out before uh, listening to this episode or if you've already watched that show and you want to uh hear what reed diamond has to say about the show and you know uh we get into some of the other shows that he's been on uh you know definitely uh stick around and and uh listen to the conversation so uh, without further ado, let's just get right into uh, my conversation that I had with Reed Diamond. Hello, I'm here with actor Reed Diamond. He has over 90 acting credits, including... Uh, the TV shows Homicide, Life on the Streets, The Twilight Zone from 2002, uh, Wayward Pines, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Purge, Dollhouse, The Terror Infamy, and uh, on one of his latest TV shows that we'll be talking about, Crypt TV's The Girl in the Woods, a Peacock original. Uh, welcome to the show, Reed. Hey, man. So happy to be here. And uh, it's funny when you started going through that, I was like, "Oh, I guess I've done more. I guess I've done more horror genre stuff than I even remembered that I'd done." Um, so that's good. I'm glad because I, I love I love this genre, and I'm always trying to do more horror stuff or sci-fi stuff. And uh, I'm I'm glad to know. Thanks for reminding me. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I you know when I was uh, looking through some of your stuff after watching uh, the Girl in the Woods, right. I was like, "Wow!" Like you know, I. <laughs> I didn't realize how much, uh, you know, TV work that you've done and, uh, you know, working on some films that I'm familiar with, like, sure. uh, you know, SWAT with uh, Colin Farrell and Samuel yeah. Jackson. I was just like, wow. like uh, Yeah, I've been, I've been around for a while, man. Yeah, I've got, you know, I got to pay, I got to pay the bills, you know, <laughs> so it's... <laughs> <laughs> and uh but yeah that was good it's fun to it's fun to go backwards on some of this but anyway go ahead sorry marcus but hey can i ask you a question man yeah, yeah. is is rude your is that your given last name yes yes it is and it was it is it, is it was it pronounced differently or was it have you always has the family always pronounced it rude yeah, it's always been pronounced rude that's yeah so that's i mean that's that's pretty badass that's a badass <laughs> last name thank you thank you appreciate that <laughs> yeah I, I always, uh, whenever I go to like uh, stores or something like that, or like uh, bank tellers or something, like I have to give them my name. They'll say, "Oh, are are you rude?" 
And I'm just like, <laughs> sure, I can be. <laughs> exactly. You have to have a million comebacks for that. But I mean, it sounds like it sounds like a great like uh, late '70s British punk, you know, uh, guitar player name like Marcus Rude. You know, it's like Ratscabies, Marcus Rude. It seems it sounds made up just to be cheeky. I love it. But <laughs> yeah. you can also you can introduce yourself too as Mr. Rude, right? So that's oh, I like yeah. that. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of, it's just, I don't know. No, I, I, oh, sorry. Am I getting emails here? Sorry, I've ruined the podcast now oh, with oh, my fine. lack of tech savvy. There we go. I've unplugged everything. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I, I interrupted just to, uh, to delight in your name. Oh, no, no. I, uh, you know, I was just, yeah, I, I get that it. a lot to, you know. Yeah. And then uh, I'll tell you, like, my, my middle name is named after my grandfather, and his right. name was Israel. So if oh. you put my name together, Marcus Israel Rude. Uh, <laughs> dude, it, that's great. It's like, <laughs> you know, it sounds made up. It's literary. Marcus is real rude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, so sometimes, like, you know, if people actually know my full name, uh, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, in a way of, you know, it sounds made up, but it's actually not. No, it's spectacular. No, as a person, you, as a person who often is accused of having a made up name, um, I feel like yours is even infinitely more made up, and I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, people, it, it's all subjective. So, you know, if people want to perceive it as fake, that's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember the first, yeah. uh, when I was first starting out in my career, I was doing a movie over in England, and I got written up in one of the tabloids there, and they referred to me as the improbably named Reed Diamond. And uh, that's, never, that's never gone away. It's never healed. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is it, like you, it's just a given name. It was, the, it was all family names all got put together and became me. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Your, yours almost sounds a little, uh, made up as well, but that's awesome that, you know, it's not your, or, I mean, it is your real name and exactly. not made up. <laughs> exactly. It's not right. No, but it's, it's funny. And now, you know, the, the, you know, you said you're talking about like, uh, are you rude? And when you're going to the bank tellers and the one that gets me was, is people, I guess, cause Reed is often more commonly a last name. People think my first name is diamond. Like, Hey diamond. I'm like, no, that's the last name. And it would be huh. strange if I was a rap star, it might make sense if I was diamond Reed, but I think as a sort of a middle-aged actor, it seems odd if, if, if my name was diamond, my first name was diamond, um, <laughs> that, that would seem a little, that would seem a little strange. <laughs> right yeah that, yeah 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 i don't know if i would like being called diamond is my first name I'm no it's weird but it's you know it's funny there's a ton of diamond reads on like anytime i join any new social media i i, I don't <laughs> think i could get my name on instagram because there's like nine people named diamond reed oh, uh man. and i know so i had to i had to change my instagram handle luckily i got in on some of the other ones in time to secure my my, my birth name and my professional name but anyway I've, I've wasted so much time with the etymology of of, <laughs> of our of our different names please please let, uh, i'll let you host okay okay yeah um <laughs> now this this is this is fun just uh just to uh chat here but uh, exactly uh yeah, so like you know, before yeah. we get into uh, you know, we probably won't be able to get into all of your uh, TV shows and films just because you know you've done so much. But uh, you know, before we get into that stuff, yeah, I wanted to ask you, uh, when did you uh, first get into the horror genre, and uh, what what got you into the horror genre? Well, I mean, as a fan, horror was always my thing. As a kid, um, I was horror movies were my favorite movies. I would. 
I loved going to haunted houses as a little kid. I, in fact, usually I grew up in Manhattan and my next door neighbor and I would trade off each weekend and either in his bedroom or my bedroom, we'd make a haunted house and then we'd make the, the adults come through after we'd spent all day setting it up. So it's always been my favorite genre. And interestingly enough, my daughter um, picked up the, that's it's in the DNA because she was she was into stuff that was pretty intense uh, very early on. I, I, I always uh, the example is you know when you're I don't know how old your kids are, but you know there's a certain point where they can watch the Harry Potter movies or maybe they can watch the first Harry Potter movie. But once we get into Dementors and stuff, like a lot of kids tap out and they don't see it until they're much to you know fourth or fifth grade or whatever mm-hmm. and she was just into the scarier the better from like a very very early age and um i mean now she just turned 13 but there's nothing she hasn't seen and it was interesting we spent much of this last month like going through um 70s and 80s horror movies that her mom and i had loved but wanted to see which ones held up like we showed her carrie and we're watching the original halloween and all that stuff but she's seen everything she's seen exorcist and omen and all the stuff that i found we all found really terrifying back in the day but it's interesting to see what's still scary and what's not scary but that's you know with girl in the woods um the number one reason i wanted to do it when i first read the uh the pilot script for girl in the woods I, I, I said, oh, this is the show that my daughter's been looking for because it's like realistic, interesting horror with um, a compelling mythology. And it's also got incredible, just not cookie cutter, LGBTQ plus representation. And that's what she's looking for in a show now. So she wants horror, but she, and she also wants just a contemporary LGBTQ representation that doesn't feel sort of just wedged in there for effect. And... And that's what, you know, and, and as, a, as a horror fan, that's, I certainly appreciate when the mythology makes sense because that's always, you know, especially mm-hmm. like in zombie movies, that's all, it's always the worst there because you're like, okay, if, if they're going to be slow zombies, then they have to stay slow zombies. Or if they're going to be fast zombies, they've got to stay fast zombies. You can't change the mythology halfway through because um, we'll go with you. We'll suspend our disbelief, but you, you have to be consistent with the world. And I felt like in this one, when Girl in the Woods, what I love... I love, certainly uh, for horror movies that I like, I like where there's you're dealing with pure evil and you're maybe dealing with the underworld or the, the dark side or the devil or whoever, mm-hmm. however you want to name that or classify that. I love those. I mean, obviously, I mean, for me, like the first, it's funny now because it's not as scary, but my God, when I first saw the original Exorcist, uh, it was just, that was life-changing. It was terrifying because it just oh, seemed... Yeah. It just seemed so, I remember I went to see it again when I was in college and I went with my friend who was like a quarterback for the football team. And after we leave the movie, he made me come sleep in his dorm room that night because he was too scared to be alone. And <laughs> and it was like, and I get it, man, because it was just like, because there's nothing more frightening than just pure evil. There's Because you, you can't reason with it. You can't defend yourself against it. It just is. Um, but but then it's interesting because I don't know. I mean, obviously you're 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 an expert in this, but I mean, I feel it was so interesting with the horror genre is there are th- um, there are things that have never happened before. You've never seen this. So say for example, let's say The Exorcist, and it's the scariest movie of of its time. But then you're you've kind of, you kind of build up a tolerance for it, and we keep having to figure out ways to top it. You know, how do you find ways? beyond just jump scares to like um elevate what's scary and uh because i mean you know we think about like when 
well, when I was a kid, you know, you're watching all the old RKO or not the, not even the RKO, right? Like the old Universal monster movies. You're seeing Frankenstein, and that seems scary, but now it just seems, it seems more quaint. Or, or uh, you know, the original Dracula, you know, mm-hmm. Bela Lugosi. I mean, they're they're scary, but they're it's it's interesting what stays scary and what um what what scares you as an audience member. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think you know, just, just over the years, uh, everything has just. Uh, evolved right and you know our expectations almost kind of just seem to to rise and want to get you know higher up right and uh you know like speaking back to the universal monsters like at the time uh you know at that time those were just really scary films like people were walking out of the movie theaters or you know wherever they were playing because uh you know, they just couldn't handle it. And right. it's, it's it's just kind of funny to kind of look back now and be like, wow, I can't believe people were actually scared of, you know, right. of what was, you know, on the screen. And, it's neat. You know. Yeah. Like I, th- I was thinking about it before I was talking to you. It is. It's like it's like it's like doing heroin. Like at a certain point, you got to keep doing more because, you know, you're not getting high in the same way. Not that I've done heroin, but, you know, so I've in the in, in the drug lore. But yeah, right. no, it's it's interesting. And I loved all of. It's funny, those universal horror movies, my, my dad, he worked at a local television station in New York City, and that was the station that played the midnight movies and the million dollar movies, and they had all of those old horror films. And so when I was a kid for my birthday parties, I would always have, because I had a summer birthday, so I would always have my birthday party on Halloween, because I was really, you know, uh, hor- you know I'm, not, I'm not overstating that horror was my thing. Like, it was what I was really into, and I was really into monsters and dressing up and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so what he would do is, because this is before when I was a kid, you know, it was before even VCR, so he would bring home a projector, and he would borrow the real you know the 35 millimeter prints of those movies whatever we wanted for the birthday so he'd bring you know he'd bring the original king kong home or he'd bring the original godzilla home or frankenstein or whatever we wanted to watch that year we pick a couple of movies he's like pick a couple from the catalog and they you know they had most of them and he'd he'd bring them home and we'd watch them and and um it was really cool and it was also the era too of there would be like midnight movies or, you know, you'd, so you'd stay up late to watch whatever horror movie was playing on, on, on whatever local station, you, wherever you were in the United States. And I just love that. You'd find crazy old Hammer horror films or just ones you hadn't seen. And I'd, anything I'd watch. And I just, I just loved it. Even the, the, the cheesier, I mean, I remember my, one of my most favorite ones was one of those ones from the 60s with the giant ants. I think Joan Collins was in it, where like they, they come to the island and the ants, of course, you know, have been radio, you know, been made radioactive <laughs> and they're humongous. And, and uh, right. but I, I was a sucker for all of that stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, you know, uh, just, just from hearing you talk, it was reminding me of like, even like when the 50s, kind of hit more of like the sci-fi right. horror elements and uh you know i i think it's really cool to see uh you know and the flashback to the 80s how they kind of remade some of those old 50s sci-fi films right, but right but you know just transformed them into uh actually scary films that uh you know at the time like i just loved the 80s uh, special effects, how, you know, everything wasn't, uh, quite CGI yet. Exactly. So everything was pretty much done practical and, you know, like the blob from 
the 1988, you know, the remake. Right. I thought was just amazing. And, uh, even, you know, John Carpenter's a thing, of course. Sure. Amazing. Oh yeah. Well, the practical, practical means it, it, I mean, I'm always, I always prefer practical. I mean, we, that's what we did. We did this in Girl in the Woods. All the monsters were, you know, actors and there's just something about it. I mean, my favorite, my favorite horror movie of all time is a cross genre movie. It's the, it's the original Alien. And I just, I love that movie, you know, because you're thinking, you're, you're thinking, oh, it's sci-fi because it's in space. But no, it's a horror movie set in space. And I just love the idea that you're trapped. You know, they had, what was their, their catchphrase was in space, no one can hear you scream, right? Right. And you're trapped on this shitty tanker going through, you know, you're, you're, there's no, you can't get off that thing, right? There's nowhere to go. You can't, you know, there's no yeah, atmosphere to breathe. You're trapped and you're trapped with this insane creature i mean this hr geiger you know you know or geiger you know just creation it's just spectacular and that you know because it's and you talk about the thing i love those movies where you're trapped in a place where you can't survive outside and you're trapped with this creature and you don't you know it's definitely smarter than you and more deadly than you and that and and not seeing it i mean that was always that's always the beauty too you know if you can you know, once you see the creature, it, it loses some of its, it can lose some of its impact. So just the threat of it being there and you not knowing where it is, is, uh, you know, that theater of the mind and, and that, that imagination is so powerful. Right. And, yeah. you know, like even, I guess, uh, in reference to like both of those films, uh, the atmosphere yeah. almost just uh, uh, really set up the, the tone for just the, the scariness and the, Mm-hmm. throughout the film and, and you know, sure. just really set the tone oh yeah and uh you know look with alien like if you really think about it aliens almost like a slasher film in space right because you know the creature one by one kills off his victims and that's interesting yeah yeah yeah. I hadn't even thought of it that way yeah exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> just as a different perspective like yeah you, know, you, you technically could classify it but you know it, it's it is a creature feature in a way yeah. but yeah terrific terrific uh oh, yeah sci-fi horror film for sure oh yeah uh, you get yeah. there right from the beginning i remember i remember being in the theater and seeing it and so i'm probably like 10 or 11 when it came out and just that the just the this the ship moving through space and you're realizing that it also because it was also sort of the first time we'd seen a representation of the future that seemed much more realistic like no it's not going to be gleaming white ships it's going to be tankers in space and they're going to be dirty and leaky and you just you, know, you could just smell like the diesel like as if there would be diesel but you know whatever's mm-hmm. leaking throughout that place and that's just it's just a gross tanker just doing regular, regular everyday work. And I was, and just, but you, you just, there's something so ominous in the way they just built that first, that, that opening sequence where you just, it's passing over you. And I just remember already you're in, you're in it, you know where you are and you're feeling it, which is just, that's magical when you get locked inside the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it really is magical when uh, they can capture something that really hasn't been done before it really set a tone for right uh so many other movies uh ahead and uh you know the you know of course that became just so successful and spawned so Mm -hmm. many sequels and reboots uh 
I know there's talk that uh, there's going to be a fifth movie, but I don't know what's going on with that. And, you know, with uh, Disney now owning Fox, I'm assuming right. they're going to, uh, you know, they'll, they'll probably still make more under, you know, under Fox's name, not Disney, which would right. be funny to <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Disney presents aliens. It's true. So, <laughs> uh, <sighs> you know, I know uh, there was some jokes online about, uh, you know, people were saying, well, technically you could call the queen alien a, a Disney princess. <laughs> there, and, you <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, I thought it was kind of oh, funny. I love it. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Aliens is great. Well, uh, the Alien franchise is great. Uh, oh yeah, I I do love the second one. That one's just that one's so good. It it well, is second, a lot different. It's but, so different because yeah. that's what I love. I love when you when you shift genres. So ostensibly, from the outside, you look at it, you go, oh, it's sci-fi, but no, it's a war movie, right? So Aliens, the second one, is just like a standard combat movie and it has all the tropes and i mean that one's so cool to watch because so many classic lines are in there that we quote all the time you never even think about it. i mean just like bill paxton's performance is like it's it's iconic you think about right. just and it and it you know so many of the movies that came after that were just were just gliding off of of references and and things that they used in that movie those ideas i mean just those the way those characters were all put together you've got the tough female character you know who's going to sacrifice herself nobly you have all these it's just it I mean, you know right, it set right. a template that lots of people copied afterwards but it was it was just so cool yeah you know like james cameron making the terminator like it really right. kind of uh, I wouldn't say it had Terminator elements, but I mean you could really tell that, you know, the the maker of the Terminator directed Aliens, and like yeah. this is definitely his take on what would happen. And I mean he he really pulled it off with uh, bending so many genres really into one. Like you know, there's a lot of comedic relief for sure. Like when uh, oh, Lance Hendrickson did the knife trick on Bill Paxton, right. and. <laughs> You know, I still kind of like cringe at that because it's like, oh, oh yeah, you know? it's so good. <laughs> it, and you know, it's it does have a lot of horror elements, like uh, mm-hmm. you know, like when Newt, uh, the little girl, is gets lost. I think like she like oh yeah gets right. dropped down like some kind of yeah. ventilation chute, and then you know is down below where there's like murky water, and she's walking, you know, by herself, and then all of a sudden that little not oh, yeah. little, but the alien just creeps up from the water. Like, that is just terrifying. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I remember watching that at a young age, and I think I had to turn it off when I got to that scene because yeah. I was just, you know, I, it, it really uh, got to me as far as, like, oh, my gosh, like, that is one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Yeah, it's the best when you have that experience. That's, I mean, that's what we're going for, right? As an audience member, and then, or if you're making it, that's what you want. You want to have that, you know, that you have that reaction. Like, I don't think I can watch this. You know, that's right, that's, right. that's it's amazing because it's all pretend, but it's amazing how powerful it is. Yeah, and, yeah. And then you know, years later, I just freaking love it. Oh yeah. But, you know it. It is kind of interesting to look back at like what did scare me as a kid, and yeah, then, you know, to where now I can watch all these films and, you know, like the exorcist where, uh, you know, we enter in like the, the realism horror. Mm-hmm. You know, Cause that's something, you know, like with like spirits and, uh, supernatural, 
uh, you know, we get into like things that maybe could happen. Exactly. And, uh, you know, speaking of like the, the realistic horror, like, uh, some things that like my wife does not like watching is like home invasion, which, you know, is something that, you know, potentially is something that really could happen. You know, there's right. real people in real situations and, uh, you know, like the purge TV show that kind of, uh, uh, could be similar in, you know, like home invasion. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I know. think what's redeeming, it's interesting because, you know, for what's redeeming for me about the purge movies is that they're once again, as we're talking about, like you're mixing genres, they're really sort of political statements about, you know, modern U S society. Right. And class divisions. So there's something, there's something very, there's a polemic in there. There's something political, right? And you're really looking at, um, it's a social commentary, right? But I can understand, like, you know, certainly that's not a kind of movie that my wife would want to watch either, because it's your, you can really get lost in the violence. But it really is saying something about America and guns and social class. I mean, for me, where, where I diverged and stopped watching horror for a while was really when sort of the post-Halloween... I'm not a fan of any of the slasher movies, right? I just... It just seems... I'm not a fan of, like, girls in their underwear being chased by a guy with a knife. And then mm. that just kept... and Because it just seemed cheap. And also, it, for me... It always seemed like it's just sort of fulfilling some weird rape fantasy, which I didn't like. And then, and then that, but you know, as we were talking about, like you get, you build up a tolerance or a resistance, you need to go higher. I mean, I think that's then when we went with like just the torture movies, you know, when we went to the Saw stuff. Mm -hmm. That's just, you know, because I think what I always want, and I don't know how you, what I want in my horror is I want great mythology. I want incredible, you know, storytelling, um, not just, you know, because it's, you can gross people out really easily. That's that's it, that's not too complicated, and you could really you can make people upset very easily, right? So, but I mean, um, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, you could totally debate me on this. And I, obviously, people love the whole Halloween, you know, uh, Friday the Thirteenth genre, uh, but it was like that wasn't as compelling to me as evil horror and unspeakable horror. I mean, it's just like the one I most recently saw, which I don't know, I guess it's horror, but it's also sort of suspenseful thriller. It's just Midsummer, you know? I just think like, oh yeah, yeah, putting you in that place and you're, it's just fascinating storytelling and amazing acting. Um, and you're, but you're also like, this is, this is, this is, <laughs> this is really dark oh and, you know, and it's really unsettling and I love that. And you don't like, you're, I don't even know why it's so unsettling. And just those little moments where you're going like, this is, this is not good. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I enjoy that. And with great acting, I mean, that's the fun thing too, because there's so many great harm. I mean, that's one of the things about The Exorcist. You had all these, you had Ellen Burstyn and you had Lee J. Cobb and Max von Sydow and you had all these incredible actors. Um, I was thinking, one of my most favorite ones um, of the late 70s, which does hold up. Did you ever see The Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Donald Sutherland? Yes, like yes that is a good one. It's so good because that's the same thing of like, you know, they're they're they've invaded you, right? The pods are there, and they're you know, it's a it's an intelligent life uh, form that's trying to get you to provide you know more hosts for it, and mm -hmm. and then when the evil happens, that last moment, which if you haven't seen, I won't spoil. But there's that last moment where you're going, oh, we're not gonna make it out. I love those sort of bleak. 
uh, terrifying um, endings. But when I think of like we talk, what we were talking about earlier, like that pure evil, where that's just a creature that you're not going to be able to reason with, and mm-hmm. or you know, or outwit, and you're done. And I always find that that terrifying because it's just, but it's interesting what, you know, what rings people's bells, like what gets you excited and what, what genres. I mean, certainly when I was eight and nine, I loved the wolf, man. I wanted to see those. I loved the mummy and all that kind of stuff. Like we were talking about all the universal, uh, horror, you know, horror, horror, you know, characters, they were in mm-hmm. Dracula always seemed, um, seemed terrifying. Now, now we, now we love vampires that we're very sympathetic to them. <laughs> Yeah, they they've <laughs> almost turned into like the the good people, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, do, do you have a favorite uh, Universal monster or Universal monster film? Oh God, you know it's really hard because it's like it's like picking your your darlings. Um, uh, God, I mean, I like I like them all. I. Uh, I, but probably, I think probably just because he's such a perfect character, it probably would be Dracula would be number one. Okay. I think, you know, I'm trying to think like, I mean, when I was a kid, I had, I'd made all of them in models. I would buy the model of all of them and they would glow, they were glow in the dark models. So I had, I'd made all of the universal mo- um, monsters. I mean, f- all of those stories, I mean, Frankenstein is great. And I mean, you know, it's interesting because with Dracula and Frankenstein is that, you know, it comes from great literature, right? Um, who's your favorite of that? Of uh, that well, period? when when I was a kid, Dracula yeah. was was awesome. Yeah, you know, I you know we'd get the fake vampire teeth. And, of course, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like so, like I, I'm I'm a '90s kid, so like when Burger King, kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, there was almost like a resurgence of Universal monsters. So like right. you know, I would see Universal monster toys and like you know the Burger King kids right. club uh, meals right. and. And then even like the the VHS line, uh, that they just you know they brought back all those Universal monsters, right. uh, so it, it just kind of seemed like uh, they were just all over the place when I was a kid. So uh, you know I always thought like Bela Lugosi's Dracula was awesome, amazing, yeah. You know pretending to you know find like towels and use those as capes, and then right. you know get the fake teeth oh, yeah. and you know just pretend i was dracula but uh years later i've come to appreciate uh, the creature from the black lagoon 100% 100% i was going to say that that was that was we we used to make all of my costumes and my dad was really good at um sewing putting stuff together so when i was 6 for my birthday my halloween birthday party we made we got a green shower curtain and we made a creature from the black lagoon costume from oh, scratch wow. oh it was awesome <laughs> and then of course there's like in green rubber gloves we put the whole thing together and oh, wow. and then of course uh, it was elaborate and everyone else showed up to my party as a cowboy and at the last minute i go oh, i want to be a cowboy and my father's like you're wearing this goddamn costume <laughs> and uh, it was great and it's great pictures and then he even made me talking about dracula i remember one year i was going to be dracula i was dracula and he made the cape and he got the collar to stand up and he lined it with like red satin and then black satin on the outside. It was great. Wow. I, I think he still uses it. He still has it in, in, in the apartment. But oh, yeah. Nice. But yeah, Creature from the Black Lagoon was it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I just I loved all of those. And now it's interesting too. I mean, with um I mean you have, we're talking about great actors playing those things. I mean, you have Boris Karloff, right, doing the mummy and doing Frankenstein and he's or Frankenstein's monster and he's just spectacular, right? And and 
And you think about before, you know, you had Lon Chaney and then Lon Chaney Jr. You had all these, and Bella Lugosi, you had all these really talented people. And the stories, I mean, the, the mummy is so great because I, I, talking, we were talking about evil. It's like, you, you messed up. You shouldn't, have dis, you shouldn't have disturbed the tomb, right? You, you right, knew right. better. And <laughs> so you get, you, you deserve this. And I, I love that. And, uh, uh, and he was, that, that was really scary. I, um, I mean, I had my, yeah, I had a mummy model. I made the mummy model. Uh, good times. Nice. <laughs> good nice. times talking about universal monsters. I love it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I love talking about them because they, uh, you know, to me, they, they seem like they're the blueprint of horror when it comes to cinema. Right. And so I always like to, to dive down and talk about them and uh you know with like usually like all the guests on the show if i can get around to it i try to talk about them because i feel like you know they're they're important to the the horror genre and uh you know i I like to just hear what everyone else thinks about them and like what's their favorites and uh you know it's it's uh it's it's a fun topic to talk about Oh, did you yeah. uh, ever watch the new Invisible Man? I did. I did. I was funny. I was just going to bring that up. I mean, that's a cool. It was a cool take on it, you know. Where, because uh, I can't remember. Was 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 it a similar story? Was he wreaking havoc in the original one, or was he just? I can't. Rem- I mean, I think he was having fun with it at first, right. and right. then uh, I I think just further in the film. It was just driving him mad. That's right. And, you know, and then all of a sudden he wants to to come back and he can't. So uh, I think he, like, just kind of, like, freaks out and just kind of pulls, like, a Jekyll and Hyde type thing. Uh, If I I remember right, it's it's been a little while since I've seen that one. But, I mean, I thought the new one, uh, you know, for, like, a modern take on, you know, the just the basic concept of the invisible man. I, th- I thought it was really well made and I was Absolutely. quite impressed. Oh yeah. No. Cause what's cool about that one too. Cause yeah. Cause you're taking something really scary, like a, 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 a domestic violence situation where the guy is just really just sick and then he, he wants to keep it going. Right. Like that. Right. It's really dark. So I love that. I mean, we'll, yeah, we just, and we just rewatched both of the it remakes and those are really good too. Oh yeah. It's yeah, so like good. Those. That guy, and the guy, I can't believe like he's actually doing that with his eyes. Talk about practical effects. Oh, yeah. Oh, but that's, <laughs> it's so perfect, those, you know, because they did the two, and I love the young, I mean, the young kids were amazing, and then they got great older actors to play them as, as you know, as, as adults. But that's another one. You, we're talking about, like, aliens, where, you know, where they just, they built the group right. Like, everyone has their sort of archetype. Like, there's the funny kid, there's the hypochondriacal kid, there's sort of the leader, there's the... And, and but the way they t- traced all of their sort of family stories into it, because that's because that's scary. Because I mean, you know, as we learn in so many of these, like the real the real monsters are the humans, right? I mean, that's 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 what makes Twenty Eight Days Later so insane and so awesome. You know, I think that's my favorite zombie movie and one of my favorite. Uh, I'm definitely one of my favorite horror movies. And but it's just you know, it's, first of all, it was the first time we really saw fast zombies, right? Or fast whatever they are, they're infected. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, when they get to the military base and, you know, you're the, the, the estate with all the soldiers, they think they're safe. And it's like, uh oh, no, no, humans suck. And humans are the worst. You're going to have to be killing some humans right now. 
And uh, I, I love because that's that's, you know, because I think that's a theme that runs through some of the best ones of what humans do and how, you know, they're they're the monsters. And I, I always enjoy that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I liked how you mentioned 28 Days Later because, yeah. uh, you know, technically, you know, you can classify it as a zombie film. But, uh, you know, really, if you look at the film, it's it's kind of based off something that maybe could really happen because sure. yeah. the uh you know the virus was like i guess they were calling it like a rage virus exactly and, you know they injected it into the animals and then you know the animal bit the human and then that's kind of how it passed on and that's you made a perfect point because you know when we started when i started talking you know about girl in the woods it's like I, we're looking for mythology and you you hit the nail on the head with this like because that does that does feel more realistic like someone could have developed or you know some sort of this rage toxin right it's much and then that's terrifying because obviously the the hard thing about zombie zombies you know brains you know they're just hungry all the time you know that's that's not as interesting as like no 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 these like if you get bit you're just like in a few seconds you're 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 a maniac and you just you're just homicidal and that's like oh that makes sense someone some evil human would have developed that you know as some sort of weapon of war and that 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 mythology tracks and that's that's what you want i mean because it's you know i mean someone was joking but i have something about the walking dead like when did they poop they have to poop you know, zombies, if they're eating all that, they've got to poop. Like, but we never see that. And uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get too scatological. But uh, but but speaking of, like, scary movies, that's, you know, obviously Night of the Living Dead. There was something, something about the low fineness of that was so terrifying. And it's the same thing. It's like you can't trust the humans. Like, the humans are the weak link. Like, you don't know who's evil and who's going to just protect themselves and not look out for the group. Like, Train to Busan, that was, you know, that they really played that one well, too. Like, you've got the humans are endangering you the most. And mm -hmm. did you see that one, the yeah. Korean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I, it was one of those films, like, I started watching it, and I was, like, glued immediately. I'm like, oh, I yeah. cannot stop watching this. Like, I'm yeah. not going to get up from my seat because no. this is, it was very compelling. And... Uh, and it, I, I didn't think, like, when I first watched it, I was like, I didn't think I was going to feel, like, really sad. Or, right, you know, like, I, right. I, I I didn't really know much about, like, the story or whatever. Right. But, you know, just the uh, interaction between uh, the guy and his daughter. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was really heart-wrenching. Yeah. And, you know, I won't spoil it because, you know, I think people should watch that film. And Definitely it's should really watch good. it. I mean, the Koreans are, like... South Koreans are making some amazing stuff. I mean, we just like my daughter, as soon as Squid King came out, she knew all about it and she made me watch it. And I was like, this is amazing. It's awful, like awful, like just traumatic. But it's, it's, I mean, there's, we've seen so many, so many, I mean, obviously Parasite was one of our favorite movies of the last few years. And then Train to Bazen, like there's so much interesting, creative, layered, dark stuff going on over there. I love it. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they've they've uh, been impressing me lately too. And oh, yeah. there's uh, a show I, I don't know if it's on Netflix still, but uh, it's called Kingdom, mm -hmm. and uh, that one's a, a really interesting uh, story. It's kind of like uh, The Walking Dead, but set in like the the Dynasty era era. And I just thought that's just a really cool concept. That's really cool. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, that one's. I, I want to say it's still on Netflix. I'm not 
100% sure if it's still oh, on there or not. I'll have to check it. I'll, I'll look for that for sure. For sure, yeah. Um, You know, maybe uh, speaking along those lines, uh, you had worked on a show called uh, The Terror Infamy, yeah. which is mm-hmm. like season two of The Terror. Right. And you played uh, Colonel Stallings. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about working on that show? That show was, I mean, it's interesting because I didn't really participate in any of the horror element, but I, I love... I. What I love about the terror, I, I mean, I love the first season, right? And um, did you see the first season of the show where they're on the ship trying to find the North, um, I, North I was, Passage? Yeah, I uh, I was watching uh, some of it. I haven't finished it, but I just, I really love the, the story of that. Like, just yeah. the concept of it is just awesome. Because that was a neat thing. Like, because I talked to the creator of this show um, and of this season, of the second season. And basically, you know, the, w- what you combine is they wanted to find real a real historical event and then find some sort of uh, horror evil element attached to that. So in the in the first season of the terror, you had you had the the British uh, naval ships trying to find the Northwest Passes, getting trapped in there. And there's some sort of mythological um, uh, Inuit uh, creature that's coming to get revenge for them bespoiling their lands and killing the people. But but of course, once again, what's scary about that is the most dangerous people are the humans. And, and they're really dangerous as they slowly go mad from lead poisoning and or botulism and lead poisoning. I can't remember. And but so the terror... Uh, the second season was set in the the rea- the real backdrop was the Japanese internment, which is you know incredibly dark period of of U.S. history that not a ton of people know about, um, um, and I think pe- more people are knowing about it. But then they attach um, the mythical uh, Japanese uh, demons to that, which is was really a yuri, right? Which is really cool. But what I liked about both of those seasons of that show is you could watch it just for the history and be really compelled, but you could also watch it for the horror, and or you could watch it for both, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's it, it's it's like a buffet. There's multiple people can get into it from different angles. I mean, for me, I was that. As I said, like I wasn't really tied to the supernatural element. So for me, I was really drawn to the historical aspect of it and bringing light to the internment. And, and we're working with all Japanese actors, including George Takei, and, and, um, who had been interred uh, during the Second World War. And uh, it, it's an, that's an, just an important, really important American story to tell. And I mean, it's interesting because... The Japanese themselves, the Japanese Americans who came out of the camps, they just wanted to move on. And that's why, um, that's one of the reasons, besides the fact that the American government certainly wanted to sweep it under the carpet, but uh, they just wanted to get on with their lives and didn't really talk about it and didn't even necessarily talk about it to their kids or their grandkids. But interestingly enough, I mean, obviously we said George Takei was in a camp and then most of the younger actors, grandparents, had all been uh, put in the camps, so it's it, it was a um, it opened up conversations I know with them and their families and and um, so for me that was most most exciting about being part of that is of of diving into that period of history and illuminating that period of history. Um, so I didn't really I didn't get to experience the Yuri. Every once in a while I'd be with Derek and he'd be looking off into the woods and seeing the creature, but I didn't see the creature. I was just I was just the a kindly uh, uh, colonel in the in the U.S. Army trying to uh, help these guys out. Right. Yeah. That's it's an interesting. Uh, yeah. You know. It, you know. And I think that is important for people to uh, to you know 
not necessarily look into, but, you know, as far as like watching a compelling show and, uh, you know, this was a dark period in Mm -hmm. American history. It's, you know, that itself is, is an important, uh, element and reason maybe to check out the show. Yeah, it's neat because it's neat, you know, if, uh, if you can get a bunch of different things going on at once, as we as you've sort of been the theme of what we're talking about. So if you can set your, because I know the, the I, I remember hearing they pitched, uh, basically AMC had all these showrunners pitch their ideas of a historical event and a creature tied to it. And um, Max Bornstein, who uh, was the executive producer, writer of, of our season of the terror, he told me what the other pitches were. And they were all interesting. There was one tied to the civil rights movement in the United States. There was one tied to, oh, oh the, the, the minor strikes in Western Virginia. And so, and they, and they each had, a, you know, an associated demon and they were all compelling. So I was like, oh, I want to see all of those stories. And maybe they'll, maybe they'll make a third season of it with another historical event with a creature tied to it. But I, I find that that's, it's really fun. I mean, that's, I think that's what's cool about Midsummer is you're in this weird sort of Swedish village and they're living in some sort of ancient way. And, and I like when you tie, I mean, I love historical um, horror. And if you, if you put it in a different genre or a different time, it's, it's always fun. You can learn something, you can have other cool, I mean, just like you said, you know, or you, or you go in the future and you're in space in a, in a space tanker and you're trapped there with uh, an incredibly lethal alien. So I, I love all that when you get other colors and other um, things that it, where it doesn't necessarily just represent what the world is like today. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah. And, you know, interesting point is, uh, you know, like setting uh, a TV or, or a movie show, uh, or TV show or movie where uh, the area is just about almost as or is important to yeah. the, the other uh, subplot of the, of the show or movie. For sure. So uh, I, I kind of wanted to circle back around to uh, the, the circle or, uh, <laughs> Uh, the the girl in the woods yeah uh and maybe that kind of ties in with like the midsummer thing of uh you know your character uh plays almost like a cult-like leader right and uh is his name pronounced jose hosea hosea yeah okay and because his name really doesn't really get mentioned in the show just he's just kind of like the dad right they refer to him as like council leader i think even my own daughter calls me council leader Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but uh you know it's it's interesting because like the this uh cult like uh the disciples like they're Mm -hmm. they're not like necessarily bad people because they're they're trying to guard the door so you know these right uh other world creatures can't get through but uh you know throughout the show they kind of get uh uh, you know, you get the idea that, you know, maybe, maybe they're not good people, but then, you know, further in the show, you, you learn that, you know, they're not bad people, but, uh, within the character development of the, the leads, uh, they're trying to get away from these because, you know, Carrie is somebody that, you know, the, the cult wants back or the disciples, I mean, right? they want back and she's trying to get away from them. So it's there's just so many uh, different things well, getting thrown 
Yeah. Well, that's what I, you know, that's what I like in anything, whether forget just even the horror genre, you want characters that are complex and not necessarily what you see on the surface. So, yeah, as you said, from the outside, you go, oh, we've got this community of strange people who are living in the woods. They're obviously a cult, right? That's how the contemporary people in the in the mining town view them. Right. That makes sense. But then we find out, oh, no, no, these people are protecting this sacred knowledge so some of the things that seem more extreme are only because that's what they need to do not only to survive but to keep the human race alive and for me like my personal interests i'm fascinated by like ancient societies and sacred societies that have had to like you know maintain the sacred knowledge and keep books safe you know whether you're talking about like the rosicrucians or you're talking about the illuminati or something like that where you know you can't handle the truth right where these Mm -hmm. only they're entrusted with this profound responsibility of guarding a portal to you know wherever whatever it is the the underworld hell whatever you want to call it right and so their methods may seem extreme but they're literally fighting monsters they're fighting demons and i i love the idea of imagining that exists that there's people who are out there who have this noble purpose of of maintaining you know trying to keep the human race alive and yes they can't know about all this knowledge because their brains couldn't handle it so you know so you see he seems harsh but uh, you know, I always talk about when I was approaching playing him as a father, because the, the the show itself, The Girl in the Woods, it has many themes woven through it. The writer, Casey, is just, she's extraordinary, and she, she layered all of these things into it that made it compelling. You, you've got, you're dealing with modern day economics and, 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 and working class towns and going under and people not being able to survive. So you've got themes about contemporary, you know, economic struggles. You've got themes about parenting. And you have all these parents in there who are parenting in a different way, trying to prepare for the world or or having their own foibles. And so Hosea seems incredibly harsh, but I, I always thought about the Johnny Cash song, A Boy Named Sue. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that Johnny Cash song, but the whole the theme of the song is that he he knows he's not going to be there for his son, so he names his son Sue, knowing it's going to he's going to be endlessly you know ribbed and and bullied, and so he's going to have to get tough. And so he knows Hosea knows that his 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 daughter is going to guard this portal to hell. She's got to be she has to be formidable in all ways, and even though I think he loves her deeply he that love can only be um uh made manifest by making her stronger and tougher and impervious to pain and psychological um despair and so uh he's actually a good parent but it's just (laughs) it's just he's preparing her for the world that he knows that the world that exists that not everyone knows about um but so it was an exciting character to play um and uh, I mean, the costumes is funny. I, you've seen it, obviously. So uh, uh, it, it has there's certain midsummer feels to it, and people living in in tune with nature in a different way, um, which I, I really loved. And and uh, and uh, but yeah, definitely one of my most favorite characters I've had to play in a long time, just because there's there was always something new to find and another color to bring into it. So that's. That's exciting, especially, you know, I have a short attention span, so it's always fun to find more and more stuff to discover. Right, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's an amazingly uh, new take on, like, the horror thriller, 
genre, but you know, there like like kind of the recurring theme what we're talking about. There's like there's so many uh, different elements in the show. It's not right. just like horror. Yeah, but, you know, there's there's uh you know like drama and mm-hmm. just you know the how uh, these characters are interacting with each other while you know there's this creature trying to take over the town or these creatures. It, you know, there's and there's so many uh, different kind of like subplots going on to where it's like, wow, there's so much going on. So it's there's like so I, much going on. That's, to, and that's what watching to see. What I'm so happens. glad you feel that way. Yeah, and I love the. I mean, for me, I just love the relationship with the kids, and it just feels so present and real and contemporary. But I said to I said to Casey, I'm, I think on my last day of shooting because I'd gotten I had all eight scripts, so we were shooting them all at the same time. And normally I'll read all, you know, say I get the whole, you know, you're doing a limited series. I'll probably read all the scripts all the way through, I don't know, five, seven times, something like that. And then I'll start really just concentrating on my stuff at a certain point. But with this, they were so compelling. I would read all eight scripts completely every two days. I would just reread them and reread them. And I said, I said, you just layered in so much stuff every time I... Every time I go back to it, I'm finding something new and something that I hadn't, a thread that I hadn't discovered before, which is just, uh, it's not, nece- you know, not often the case. Oftentimes you're like, oh, I get it. All right. So this is, this is pretty thin, pretty thin gruel. I'm going to try to make the most out of it that I can. But this one was like, there was always something to find and um, always an interesting new way to play a scene or a moment. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this show is, uh, you know, for the listeners that are listening, uh, if you haven't seen The Girl in the Woods, uh, check it out on Peacock. It is an awesome show. It's an original show at that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just want to mention, like, the, the special effects on the show are amazing. Uh, Kevin McTurk, who did special effects for Jurassic Park, and uh, Christina Cortum, who uh, has uh, done makeup on uh, Jason Rising, which is a Friday the 13th fan film. Uh, this, their design on the the creature is just awesome, and even like the the uh, I don't even call him the creature, but like the guy with the golden coin mm-hmm. that uh, the hypnotist, hip, right? the hypnotist. Yeah. Uh, I just you know I I just thought everything about that was just very cool and, and original. Yeah. Oh man, well, I'm glad you liked it. That means a lot because I haven't. I've I got the I had the joy of making it, and I've seen a few scenes, but I can't stream it up. here here in Canada right now so I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm hearing from people who, who I'm talking to who've seen it and I'm it always uh especially you know when you're a, a genre specialist it always makes me happy that you're digging it well you know I wouldn't say I'm like a specialist but I'm a horror <laughs> connoisseur I'll say connoisseur oh, I like that yeah. better a a gourmand of horror yeah that, that's that's a good analogy too yeah um you know so like the show is uh you know the the uh, concept or the original story is based off a of Crypt TV uh, original. Uh, were you familiar with uh, Crypt TV before uh, deciding to do the show? No, no. I mean, they're an exciting company, right? I didn't know. I mean, but you know, you can fill you can fill libraries with all the things that I don't know. So I didn't know about Crypt TV, but then it was really exciting, and they're like, um. It was a really cool group to get involved with because they're all young and diverse and just like energetic and excited and really, really nice and encouraging. So 
because I had to, you know, we're living this crazy time right now where we're because of COVID. So from my final, you know, callback or whatever, you know, my test or whatever the hell you want to call it these days, mm -hmm. I had to zoom in to everyone. But uh, but they they had they were they were lovely and they had really interesting ideas about it. And I just thought, oh, these are gonna be great people to work with. And, and the set was great. It was really um, collaborative and cool directors and Kristen and Jacob and and um, and the writer, like I said, Casey, she's amazing. And and um, so it was it's a fun it was a fun group of people to be involved with. And, you know, they're young and they're scrappy. And I like that. <laughs> Yeah, they, uh, yeah. They, I, you know, what, what I like about them is they are creating original horror right. stories. They're yeah. not, you know, uh, doing reboots and whatnot of franchises that have already been done before. They're looking for new, fresh take on the horror yeah. genre. And that's what I like about them the most. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I, I could see uh, this show becoming, you know, uh, a pretty big part with Crypt TV, like, uh, so like earlier ones like uh, the Looksee and the Birch, right. those are characters that are just terrifying. Yeah. And what's cool about them is they're they're so popular to where they're in uh, the video game called uh, Dead by Daylight. Right. And uh, you know I I really like how even like that game is branching out to everything, not just you know, Halloween, Michael Myers, uh, Freddy right. Krueger. Right. They're actually looking <laughs> past. Yeah. And, you know, getting Crypt TV characters on their game. You know, with, with that said, I would love to see some characters from uh, oh, The yeah. Girl in the Woods. Yeah. Or, you well, know, even that. the creature to, yeah. uh, to uh, make his way into the game. Heck yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. Yeah, that's the thing, because there's so many creative, smart people out there. Yeah, we want new stories. We want to, I mean, I mean, yeah, we don't need to keep rehashing um, uh, for sure, because there's so many smart, creative people who are coming up with original, brilliant things. You just have, I mean, you know, we, we just like, talk about Midsummer. Like, who thought of that? That's bananas. Right, and right. it's just like, I love it, right? I don't need to keep going back to the Amityville Horror House. I don't want to go there anymore. <laughs> and uh yeah that's uh, i love that yeah so yes. that's uh, you know speaking of midsummer like who who would have thought uh the daylight and just the beautiful colors could yes. be so scary yes that's brilliantly put yeah you didn't need it wasn't like exactly dark and shadows and going through the attic yeah no <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's perfectly put man right right yeah, it's yeah that that's a great film too. If, yeah. if the listeners haven't seen Midsummer by now, uh, yeah, definitely check that one out. Come on, check it out. I think it's still streaming on Prime. So yeah, go check it out. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, you know, so some of the other uh, shows, you know, I gotta mention uh, the Twilight Zone. You were in an episode of the Twilight Zone from two thousand two. I was. Uh, <laughs> You know, what What was it like uh, working on that? And, you know, did you like just being able to work on, you know, the Twilight Zone? Like, that had to be really cool. Well, that's 100%. Like, as a kid, Twilight Zone was really important, right? Because we would watch Twilight Zones and you'd see them. I think they probably aired on my dad's station in New York. Like, I'd watch them on Channel 9. Like, and they were, you'd see the reruns. And they were always so smart. 
you know, I always think about that one of that guy who one of my favorite was was he thinks he's gone to heaven, but because he but because he's getting everything he wants, and then it just becomes really he hates it. He wins every hand of gambling. He can be with any girl. He can have anything he wants. And he's like, and then the last line is the guy like, "What made you think this was heaven?" Right? And he's, he realizes he's in hell. Like hell is getting everything you want. Like they'd always the twist, the Rod Serling twist would always be so cool. And I think they've obviously they've rebooted the Twilight Zone a few times, but I just remember when they I was just excited to go do it because I wanted to be part of that Twilight Zone world. I, I, and I, I, that one was just fun. I just remember because Lou Diamond Phillips directed it, and he's such a groovy guy. I mean, I think we were just we shot it really quickly. We were somewhere in Vancouver, but that was that was just really fun just working with him. I can't even remember. I'm sure I died in that one. I can't remember. No, you, what. You lived. Did I live? Did yeah. I live? I can't. Okay. You lived. <laughs> okay. And, and with Samantha Mathis, right? And she's amazing. Yes. She was, I I can't remember that one, but that was, I was, I just remember at the time, because that's a long time ago. That's 20 years ago now. It's right when I right. met my wife. And um, I just remember being excited to be part of the Twilight Zone world because I always, you know, it always seemed so classy and so intelligent and and just the twists were always you know it's a it's a cookbook whatever you know whatever, however they, it's, like, it's a cookbook um you know to serve mankind right so no they were it's always so episode. oh it's such a, i mean it's classic and all those things but it, and they and once again you know how we started talking about this he got the best actors you had all these these amazing actors come and do those twilight zones and they were just and you had obviously and you had the best writers you had all these really smart smart people and then of course then there was Outer Limits right his other one and mm-hmm. that was great too I loved all that I yeah, love Night all that Gallery stuff. was a good one too oh yeah Night Gallery <laughs> <laughs> well that was you know it's pretty big Night Gallery at night in the 70s my favorite show when I, and it only, I think it only ran a season right was Night Stalker when I was like seven or eight do you remember Night Stalker <laughs> Oh, the uh, the Kolchak. Kolchak, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, he's he's a you combining he's the private investigator or whatever who's going after monsters. And it was like I think I've rewatched it recently, and obviously it's very cheesy. But at the time, I was like, it'd be on a Friday night. I just couldn't wait for Friday to come to watch Kolchak, the Night Stalker, and uh, uh, just because. I know, and he, and he was always, it was always, they were always going after like cheesy, probably universal type uh, monsters. It was always like the sort of the main canon, but I loved it. I loved it. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes the, the cheesy stuff is just enjoyable to watch. Like, oh, you, heck you yeah. don't have to be, you know, serious all the time with your shows. Like, no, just make them fun. No, exactly. <laughs> well, that's great when you combine comedy with it, too. I mean, there's been so many great. There's been so many great horror movies that have comedy in them too. Where you just don't, you know, American Werewolf in London, whatever it is, you know, where you're just not mm-hmm. expecting that. And uh, you know, I love it. I, like I said, I think you know that's one of you know great actors and cross genre is just always really fun. You made me think now, now, now I'm going to seek out. I want to find like a horror movie set in medieval Europe or something like that. I'm trying to think. Um. Well, there's a uh, Mario Bava's uh, Black Sunday. Which is oh, yes. very good. Barbara That's Steele. Good. That's really good. That one's uh you know, for for an older black and white film, but when I watched that I was I was drawn in. I was like, Man, this is really good. Like the cinematography was really yeah. good. Yeah. And oh yeah. I, I definitely recommend if you wanna get in your uh, time travel machine and go back to uh the fifties, sixties, yeah. that one's uh a good one to visit. Awesome. I'll definitely check that out. 
But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't know how much uh, more time that you have with us. Oh yes, yeah, so, no, I, I do have to. I have to. I do have to wrap it up. But um, it's it's Marcus. It, we ha- we got to do this again. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I definitely like to have you back on because I feel like we just scratched the surface on. Oh yeah, on everything. Uh, but uh, but you know, real quick before you take off, yeah, of uh, course. Can- Oh, could, could you mention, uh, you know, what's next for Reed Diamond? Yeah, so I've got, I've got, uh, what do I have? I have a couple things coming out. I think, well, the big thing next is I just did this uh, series, Gaslit, which is um, another take on the Watergate break-in and the downfall of the Nixon administration. Um, and it's great. So I, on that one, I just played, I just played Deep Throat. I just played, um, uh, yeah, Mark. Um, so it's just like, it, it was just like, it, 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 that was really cool because I'm, Besides horror, I'm I'm a total Watergate political thriller junkie. Like I was, Watergate was sort of my formative political um, uh, uh, coming of age moment as a young child. So I know all these characters backwards and forwards. So it was really cool to be part of that, and that that's going to be really great. Sean Penn and Julia Roberts playing John and Martha Mitchell, and you just got amazing tons of great actors, and it's directed by Matt Ross, who's just in and just awesome so i'm really looking forward to that that's coming out and then i'm going to be on better call saul next season and uh so those are the two things i have coming out i'm sure gaslit's coming out pretty soon um yeah amazing man yeah yeah no it's good you know it's it's (laughs) it's been a fun year but yeah and uh but um no marcus what a pleasure i let's let's definitely do this again yeah yeah anytime man anytime just uh hit me up and uh we will definitely get something else set up you know all right brother well forward to hearing it and uh, i'll definitely uh, i'll you know i'll promote it and uh but thanks man thanks for inviting me on to your show oh my pleasure man thank you so much reed well that about concludes uh the episode for today uh, i just want to say thank you reed diamond for coming to the show i had a blast and uh, i hope that uh one day that you come back on and we can talk about the horror genre and uh you know some of the other stuff that we didn't get to so uh you know again if you, if you haven't seen uh the girl in the woods on peacock go ahead and check it out it's streaming right now on peacock don't miss it the Ruhor podcast is a part of the prescribed films podcast network you should check out some of the other great shows that are on the network you can go to the pfpn.com and uh just take a look at all the other shows there's so many great shows on the network and uh what's next for the ruhor podcast well uh, i have some great episodes lined up Uh, i won't mention all of them but i will mention the one of the next big guests i have on the show is uh rob mello and rebecca reinhardt they'll both be on an episode together and uh you know rob has played in films such as happy death day happy death day to you and uh, rebecca reinhardt has played in uh some of donald farmer's films and uh tim ritter films and then you know herself and rob collaborated on a film called the embalmers so uh, i'm excited to uh, chat with them and uh i'll just i'll just kind of leave it at that i got some other guests lined up but uh i will uh keep you in the loop when uh when i have more details for those but uh just want to say thank you all for listening to the Ruhor podcast if you haven't already uh follow me on the social medias uh check out the website uh if you'd like to become a supporter and, and support the show 
you can go to anchor.fm forward slash root podcast forward slash support and you know if you want to donate as low as 99 cents a month you know enough to buy me a, a cup of coffee to uh you know get through the editing and you know producing and you know whatnot keeping the show afloat be greatly appreciated um and you know for, for all the other links related to the horror po- uh, root horror podcast you can go to www.linktree.com forward slash root horror podcast and uh just keep up to date with uh, everything that's uh that we're doing so uh again just want to say thank you all for listening hope you enjoyed and uh stay tuned for the next one
listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening.